I I blame Matt, my friend Matt. He he texted me during commercial. Well, okay, no, in fairness, it looks like he texted me 30 minutes ago. And I just found it. The, there's a new Top Gun trailer out. I am distracted. Okay, here's the most remarkable thing about the new Top Gun trailer. Wait, Philip might be listening. There was this movie before you were born starred a guy named Tom Cruise, who's this crazy Scientologist guy. And it was about an F-14 Tom Cut pilot who he had to fight the bad guys. They were Russians. And it was an awesome movie. One of the greatest movies of the 80s. Top Gun. And now he's back. They're making a sequel because Hollywood is out of ideas. Hollywood is completely out of ideas. And so they got to make sequels. And so Maverick is back in Top Gun 2. He looks exactly the same. Somewhere in an attic. Somewhere in an attic, there is a painting of Tom Cruise that is aging horrifically. Uh, Dorian Gray style. There, there's there's got to be a painting of Tom Cruise somewhere where he looks like a 200-year-old man. Um, and he, Tom Cruise does not look any different from the original i i don't know what what those scientologists do but xenu's been good to him i just it's fascinating to me uh but also fascinating who are they gonna have as the bad guy you know they're already into some controversy because they took the taiwan patch off the jacket are the chinese gonna be the bad guy you know that's not gonna be the case you could always make the russians the bad guy again i'm sure it'll be like some fringe militia group but, you know, this this sends me off on a tangent from things I was going to talk about. I just, you know, okay. We got to have a bad guy. There needs to be a bad guy. I'm, I'm being serious here. It's not that we have to have a bad guy for our existence. It's that there are bad guys out there and we don't seem to wish to treat them the way they should be treated. So you got this Top Gun movie and the Chinese should be the bad guys. Remember the Red Dawn remake and it was like the North Koreans or something? It was supposed to be the Chinese uh, but the box office couldn't handle it. Oh, the Chinese would be outraged. They'd blackball everything. Our film studios, it's time for you to man up and recognize the Chinese are not good. But as long as Disney is in a dominant position, that's not going to change. It was very, very easy during the 1980s for Hollywood to make Russians the bad guys, whether it was the Rocky movie or Top Gun. Uh, what other movies were the Russians? I mean, every, every 80s movie, the villain was a Russian. Hunt for Red October. Uh, my my So my 13-year-old son wanted to watch it. And I was like, yeah, okay. So he, they headed to the beach without me. Uh, I had a five-hour car ride uh, to, to L.A., Lower Alabama. And he decided to watch Hunt for Red October, and he loved it. I was afraid. You know, kids these days, says the dad, they got short attention spans. My kids have the attention spans of amoeba.
all kids do these days. TikTok videos and the like. They're 15-second clips and, and move on. I was worried he wasn't going to have the attention span to watch Hunt for October because it kind of has a slow build. My gosh, it's a good movie, and he loved it. And I just, I, it's like a parenting success story for me that my 13-year-old loved and understood the hunt for Red October. He was convinced, by the way, it was a true story. And I was like, ah, historic fiction. Loosely based on some events Tom Clancy was inspired by. But but if you haven't seen the movie Hunt for Red October, that's a movie that holds up well over time, by the way. Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin. You'll, you'll have to forgive Alec Baldwin in the show. But uh, my gosh, that movie holds up over time. But all these movies from the 1980s, they could have the Russians as the bad guy. Uh, let's. I, I bet you there's something in Google. Uh, what movies had Russians as the bad guys? Uh, let's see here. You got um, Hollywood villains. You got Red Dawn. You got Rocky Four. You got Goldeneye. You got John Wick even um, from Russia with Love. Lots of the James Bond movies. And they're still the bad guys. The Russians are basically a third world power with nukes these days. And they can still be the bad guys. Look what's happening in Ukraine. We'll get to Ukraine here in a, a moment. But the major force for evil in the world today, and I don't mean that flippantly. I'm I'm being serious here. I may not sound like it, but I promise you, being serious here, the major force for evil on planet Earth today are the Chinese communists. They are ruthless, and they are routinely abusive of human rights, they have spies everywhere, and we don't take them seriously. Hollywood does not take the Chinese seriously as a mortal threat. If anything, one of the realities of the 21st century in the West is that for a lot of rich people these days, borders don't matter. You and I, we are Americans, and proudly so. You may be from Georgia or Texas or Oklahoma or Ohio or Florida or North Carolina or Oregon or Arizona or California, wherever. And a lot of us have state pride. I am a native of Louisiana. I love my home state. To me, it's the most beautiful place on the earth, although I have discovered the North Georgia mountains, the Clayton area and the Clarksville area, that's some pretty country. But plantations of South Louisiana, the live oaks and the moss, the old 200-year-old houses. I grew up in a town where the house across the street from me was built in 1832. And it's a gorgeous small town, small town America, rural Louisiana. And when I go home, Mentally, I can feel it. There's something, the the creeks, the water just bubbling out of the ground. I have a particular affinity and kinship with home, though I haven't lived there in so long. I can still ride the back roads. I, can, I, I know my way around. When I was a kid, my Aunt Shirley, she didn't like to drive on the interstate. So we would go from our house in rural Jackson, Louisiana, down to Baton Rouge, uh, be a 45-minute hour drive, and we would take back roads, always took back roads. And I could still 
drive those roads. Then I moved to Georgia, uh, went to Georgia to to Mercer and stayed, and, and I love my adopted home state of Georgia. And I go to places, some of the most, I mean, North Georgia is gorgeous. Whether you're in Rome, all the way across North Georgia, the mountains and the lakes are beautiful. But each of us has a kinship to a state, typically. And even if we move away, like um, Charlie runs operations around here, he is from Montana. Montana is a beautiful state. And he's got an affinity for Montana. One day, I suspect when we get big enough, he'll pack up and move back to Montana and just operate remotely. But then we have our nation, and we love our nation. You and I are Americans. We can't fathom any other country. And, you know, I got to tell you, I was actually kind of upset several years ago. I don't want to say who, but I was listening to a conservative leader. And it was someone who leads in the conservative movement, someone who's a very prominent, notable, not an elected person, but a, a, an opinion maker of the right who was very flippant about saying America's the best country on earth. Like, yeah, everybody says that their country's the best. It's, it's just what we do. It's like, no, damn it. We really are the best country on the planet. I've been to 20, 30 some odd countries. We are the best country on planet earth. No one's trying to sneak across the border to get in illegally to China. They're all coming here. We've got Ukrainians, for God's sakes, trying to come across the Mexican border into this country because they can't get in directly. We're the best country on planet Earth. I don't mean that because I'm an American. I mean that because I have ventured to say I've traveled the world more than almost all of you have lived in a foreign country on the other side of the world, and I can assure you we are the greatest country on planet Earth. We are a beacon of freedom. The problem is the rich don't view it that way. They can hop on their private jet. One day I want to be able to do that. Hello, Priority Jet. I want to be able to hop a private jet, but I was not going to be anything other than an American. But a lot of rich people, they just view us as just eh, land option. Got a nice house here, but I've also got a nice little chalet in Switzerland. And they don't view the dynamics of power and nationhood the way you and I do. And so when you get into that mindset, it's, it's hard to have a, a national villain. I mean, North Korea, you can stereotype them, but really the villain is China. China runs concentration camps. The Chinese kill the dissidents. But Hollywood believes they're greater than America. And they make money out of China. So they can't do that. And I think they should. Uh, In the same way that the Russians were the bad guys of the 1980s, I think Hollywood has a national obligation as part of American civilization from which they make their profit and from which their actors and actresses come and the land on which they use to stand up for the United States. We may not all agree on the same shared values, but we should agree on the United States. And the problem is we don't. And that's a damning indictment on them and on the rich in this country who just don't view the United States as exceptional, as set apart with a mission on this planet beyond what other countries do. We are not and have never been a country of blood and soil. 
We're not. We, we, we've never been. Now, I know there's a growing movement on the right of blood and soil Republicans who think you've either got to have your parents be an American or you got to be born here in order to become an American citizen. Some people think we got to get rid of that and just be blood Americans. Well, the United States has always been an idea and an ideal. And there are people from other countries that we should welcome here with open arms, particularly at a time where we have a mass unemployment situation or, or a mass job situation where we need more workers to come into this country. And we should be welcoming people to come here. It gives us a competitive strategic advantage. You know, China has realized this, and the Chinese actually are opening their immigration to a bunch of brainiacs to go to China to give them a competitive advantage on us. We've always welcomed immigrants to this country. It's given us a competitive advantage over time. We should continue to do that. We should be proud to be an American. And so here comes this Tom Cruise movie. I have no idea who they're going to fight in this new Top Gun, but it's not probably not going to be the Russians. It'll probably be some splinter cell of some fringe people or the North Koreans. It should be the it should be the Chinese. The Chinese are the bad guy now. We are the shining ideal for liberal democracy, and we should not change. There's this infatuation in some parts of the right these days and the left with authoritarianism. They just snap their finger and get stuff done in China. They've got homogenous values in China. No, our diversity is actually our strength in this country. And that's why I, I, I'm loath to see the left in this country want to silence d dissent. But I don't think people on the right should be silencing it either. We are the best country on planet Earth. And I think Hollywood and our corporations should reflect that. And so many of them don't. And that is frankly a weakness that we have as a country that too many of our people have been given license to be embarrassed by us or think there's something better than us because we are all they've known. Well, we are all they've known because we've had really good times thanks to our leadership. And the time will come when borders will matter again. And if you have paid attention to nothing except the Ukraine story, you should know borders matter and patriotism and national pride are things that tend to resurface in times of crisis. It's only a matter of time before we separate the men from the boys when it comes to national crisis and global catastrophe and realize there really is evil on the planet and it's not the United States of America. Okay, I, I want to state something that should be obvious that may not be obvious for people. I like a high thread count sheet. But if the threads are crap, the sheet's going to be crap, no matter how many uh, threads you need. It just it, it's it's amazing how people want to highlight that. And the reason I highlight this is because Bolin Branch makes high quality sheets, and they're not a bajillion majillion thread count either. But their threads are super high quality. They use 100% organic cotton threads. They give super softness. You get a better night's sleep. They're not just buttery, soft, breathable, impossibly soft to start. They get softer with every wash. I can attest to this. Every time you wash them, they just seem to get a little softer, and they hold up so well over the long term. You know, I'm on, gosh, maybe my second set of Bolin Branch sheets in, in a decade. So they just hold up so well. They're a quality product, and they give you such a good night's sleep. Oh, my gosh. They're so fantastic. I really do love these sheets, and I love Bowling Branch. You can, too. They are fantastic. They're so luxurious. Three U.S. presidents sleep under Bowling Branch sheets. So you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlingBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. Get a good night's sleep under Bowling Branch sheets. Hello there. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, 877 877- 
973-7425. It is Eric Erickson here. Let's go to the phones. Alicia, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. What's going on? I was listening to you, and you were talking about how we had the Russians as so many bad guys in movies and that kind of thing, and then you went into how American pride gets you know raised when things get bad and we have to like buckle down and i am rereading the series left behind Mm -hmm. and russia is uh demolished by israel in the first chapter and the antichrist comes out of romania so yes more people are reading because they're getting to that stage and they're uh not being as afraid of russia as we used to be yeah, we're not. Um, you know, there, and there are weird dynamics uh, so often in the world and, and how we see things. And the Russians, I mean, the Russians make perfect bad guys because they got awesome accents. Let's just be honest here. Um, we used to vilify all of Eastern Europe, which is kind of funny because, you know, in, in so Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series, um, you've got, and I guess he started writing the Left Behind series before the fall of the Soviet Union, I, I believe, uh, when he started envisioning them. Uh, when was the date? Yeah, 1995. Okay, 95 to 2007. Uh, it was after the fall of the uh, uh, Soviet Union, but clearly he had started thinking about them in the process there and winds up getting Nikolai Carpathia, winds up being the Antichrist in the series. Um, I, <laughs> I got in trouble. Back in 2008, I was running redstate.com at the time. And we decided we needed to sell merchandise. Well, we didn't decide. Our corporate overlords decided we should sell red state merchandise. <laughs> oh, well, I killed it pretty quick. I, I ended their desire to sell merchandise pretty quickly. Because one of the things we decided to sell, and it was the hot selling item, <laughs> was a bumper sticker, Obama Carpathia. <laughs> People who knew, knew that we were suggesting that um, Obama was running on a, on a presidential ticket with the Antichrist. Oh, it went over exactly as you thought it would have run over. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we put that up there. People started selling that bumper sticker. It was overdone. They did no more merchandise. Shut it down. We did, and I was glad, too, because I didn't want to sell stuff to begin with. Too much. I, oh, what was that place you could, you could oh, there you the, that website. It still exists. I can't. Cafe Press, I think, is the name of it. And we were selling this stuff through there. Obama Carpathia 08. Um, and my goodness, people lost their minds over. So I got so much hate mail from people on the left suggesting Obama was running with the antichrist. Uh, and I replied to each of them. It's like, actually in this scenario, he's the antichrist. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was, oh, uh, I, I, you know, that was before I got hired by CNN as well. They, they <laughs> in any event. I should move on from telling stories about myself. Uh, When we come back, there's an update in Ukraine. The Russians 
Well, they say they're going to wind down some operations. Really? They're kind of giving up around Kiev. And I want to talk to you about why and what's going on. And I will uh, take your phone calls as well. 877-973-7425. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I'm going to go back to the phones. I'm going to go to Rex. Welcome to the show. Rex, how are you? Hey, Eric. Big fan of your work, man. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you. So concerning Russia pulling back from Kiev, I'm just wondering if this is all a front and just a show. Perhaps he's moving his military units away from danger of their own massive aerial assault. Uh, so that could be, however, uh, the Russians kind of publicly announced they're doing this and there is a kind of a, a, a difference of opinion out there from people. And, and I actually wanted to spend some time on this. So I'm glad you called on this. If y'all haven't heard, the Russians are saying that they're going to wind down operations around Kiev as a show of goodwill in peace talks. Uh, This is from CNN. Moscow says it will, quote, unquote, drastically reduce military activity on two fronts, Kiev and Cherchnev, according to the Russian Ministry of Defense Telegram channel. Russian Deputy Defense Minister Alexander Fomin confirmed to radically at times reduce military activity, according to state media. The move follows talks between Russian and Ukrainian delegations in Istanbul on Tuesday. The general staff of the armed forces of Ukraine earlier claimed certain units of Russian military are withdrawing from battlefronts in the capital, Kiev, and from the northern city of Cherchnev. The Russian enemy did not meet the goal of its offensive operation. However, it warned of a high risk of Russian troops attacking military and civilian infrastructure. The Russian military claimed to struggling to reinforce and rotate in new soldiers. Now, uh, Michael Brandon Doherty, he writes at National Review, he is an isolationist, uh, admittedly so, and a thought he not not pro-Russian. He has been blatantly mischaracterized as pro-Russian. He's not, but he is a realist and an isolationist, and uh, he argues, in fact, that uh, the only reason the Russians were in this part of Ukraine to begin with is not because they wanted to take it, but because they wanted to distract the Ukrainians from what they actually wanted. Uh, the Ukrainian, the Russians said. In the beginning, and for a very long time, that they wanted Eastern Ukraine. They wanted Eastern Ukraine, and they wanted uh, Crimea. They wanted a land bridge there. And it appears that uh, in doing what they're doing now, you they're going to get what they wanted to begin with. I mean, their stated goals include were denazification, which uh, they've pretty much apparently are, are wiping out the Azov Brigade, which is the, the bad group of Ukrainians, about a thousand people. They're pretty much neo-Nazis. But uh, what they're also doing is they're getting Eastern Ukraine, which is was one of their stated goals. So was their movement around Kiev intentional to take the capital or was it a ruse so the Ukrainians had to mount forces around the capital and ignore the eastern part of the country where uh, Putin was. Regardless, Putin can say now he's got a win. 
if Ukraine gives up the eastern portion of Ukraine and gives up Crimea and cedes it to Russia officially, legally, and recognizes it as the Russians, Russia gets a really big win. But it's kind of a fearic victory because of all the losses they got along the way. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, Furious of Epirus. Furious of Epirus had a military triumph at the Battle of Asculum against the Romans in 279 BC. The problem, however, was that uh, he destroyed so many of his forces, it ended his campaign against the Romans. It became what was called a Furic victory, uh, where um, you, you can't win because you won. Fierce of Epirus uh, and Italian allies, they went to war against the Roman Republic. Rome had not consolidated all of its control of the Italian peninsula at the time. And the Romans suffered twice as many casualties as Fierus of Epirus. But the Romans had such a larger population, they could replenish their ranks. Fierus, uh, however, lost most of his commanders and a great deal of the force he brought to Italy, and he had to go back to Sicily. He couldn't continue fighting the Romans and, in fact, lost so many people that he ultimately wound up losing. It was called a Fyrrhic victory. And we've seen these before, and I wonder to some degree if what's happening with the Russians now is going to be a Fyrrhic victory. They, they capture part of eastern Ukraine, but they've lost multiple generals. They've lost a massive number of troops. They've got, uh, at this point, about 20,000 casualties. That's killed, injured, or dead. Uh, they've got about, I think, ten to 11,000, and that's the conservative estimate of dead. They've lost hundreds and hundreds of tanks, missile batteries, armored personnel carriers. And what we're seeing now is the Russian army on full display fighting modern warfare, and they're not up to the job. They relied very heavily on conscripts. You've got about 90% of the Russian-trained military force engaged in Ukraine. That's a lot of people because Russia has one of the largest armies on the planet. Uh, and you've got 90% of it uh, involved there and only 60% capacity because so many of them have been killed or injured or taken off the playing field or off the battlefield. It's just, it, it's, it's, it's a bad look for Putin. He's going to be able to claim a win, though, if, if the Ukrainians give him part of the West. And, in fact, Ukraine is looking at neutrality. They have offered neutrality. The United States is expressing some caution after the peace talks. President Biden says he's not going to read anything into Russia's vow to curtail attacks uh, unless he actually sees some progress here. But what it appears is the Ukrainians are saying as long as they get some assurances for defense, they're willing to consider um they're willing to consider neutrality. They will want the Turks, the Israelis, the Americans, and others to offer them assurances that they will come to Ukraine's aid. Here's the problem for Ukraine, though. Historically, back in the 1990s, the, I believe it was either the Minsk Accord or the, or the um, uh, was it the Belgrade? I can't, Belgrade maybe. I can't remember. What are the accords? The Ukrainians agreed to give up their nuclear weapons. 
Ukraine, for those of you who don't know, had been part of the Soviet Union. And they wanted their independence desperately. The Ukrainians, the Russians always viewed them as an integral part of the Soviet Union and the Russian Empire. Before that, the Ukrainians themselves really never wanted to be part of it. So they got their independence. Well, the issue was, what do we do with the nukes? The Russians, the Soviets, I should say. The Soviets parked nukes in Ukraine because if you look on a map of Europe, Ukraine extends further out into Europe than any other part of the Soviet Union. And so if you want your nukes to be as close as possible to Cologne, Hamburg, Stuttgart, Munich, Brussels, London, well, you want them in Ukraine. Now, they had the Eastern Bloc countries. They had Eastern Germany, East Germany. They had Poland. They had Czechoslovakia. They had Hungary. They had Yugoslavia. All of those areas touched. I mean, Yugoslavia touched uh, Italy and Greece, Romania and, and Bulgaria. They went down into Greece or Bulgaria, not Romania. Um, so they could move. But if you wanted just the Soviet Union, you wanted the nukes in Soviet territory. You didn't want the nukes in East European territory because those East European communists sometimes wanted to, to strut their stuff and weren't necessarily beholden all the time to the Soviets. A Tito, for example, in Yugoslavia, the Yugoslav dictator famously loved to build bridges with the West that alienated and, and made uh, the Kremlin very angry, but they couldn't do anything to him because he was on the Adriatic Sea right next to Italy and Yugoslavia could have flipped, could have stayed autocratic, could have stayed a dictator, but actually flipped towards the West. There was nothing the Soviets could do about it, given the dynamics of Yugoslavia. So you wanted your nukes inside the Soviet Union, so they put them in Ukraine, because Ukraine was the closest they could get to Europe, because it's a pretty big country. Well, in the 1990s, the Soviet Union falls, Ukraine gets this independence, and the Russians are like, wait a second, those are our nukes. They're not your nukes. What are we going to do? And the Ukrainians said, all right, here's the deal. We don't want them. We'll give them back to you. In exchange, you've got to guarantee our territorial integrity, and you've got to guarantee our peace, and we will allow you to keep a port with warships at Sevastopol on the Black Sea, your Russian Black Sea fleet can stay there. The Russians said okay. So the Ukrainians gave up their nukes, and Vladimir Putin invaded because they didn't have nukes to defend themselves anymore. And the Russians already had a Black Sea fleet in Crimea. So it was a bad deal for Ukraine. So now the Ukrainians are like, all right, we'll be neutral, and we won't allow military bases of any other country uh, but somebody's got to guarantee our security now. This is a problem. You, you know, we can say tomorrow, the United States of America tomorrow can say, hey, you know what, Ukraine? We're going to guarantee your territorial integrity and your security. And will we? Will we do that? Will we keep our word? I don't know that we will. How many of you want to send your sons and daughters to Ukraine to fight on Ukraine's behalf. Now, who would invade, other than the Russians, who really would invade Ukraine? That's part of the issue here. 
Moldova is not going to invade them. Belarus isn't going to invade them unless Moscow gives their say. And Ukraine's larger and has a bigger army than Belarus. So, I mean, really, you know what the sensible alternative issue here for Ukraine is? Give every citizen a weapon and teach them how to use it. Make every member of Ukraine a member of the military. Do like Switzerland does. You know, uh, Vladimir Zelensky was asked this issue after 2014. And he said he disagreed with having a Second Amendment concept in Ukraine. I wonder if this war changes things and you can have a well-armed citizenry, well-trained and well-armed citizenry in Ukraine after this. Maybe, possibly, would be a bad idea. All right, we got to move on. Before we do, I need to tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can get three of them. It's an air purifier, and it's filterless. You don't have to get new filters all the time. You just wipe it out on occasion. You get the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You get a three-pack, so you get three of them, and you save $200. Not only do you save $200, you get all three of them for less than $200. The way you do this is you go to the website, Eden, like the Garden of Eden, puredeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. You will see on the front page of the website a discount code box, and you put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, and you will save $200. You will get three of them for less than $200, and you'll get free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. It's a great product. It eliminates odors, y'all. It eliminates. doesn't mask them. It's not like the diffuser and the essential oil. This one wipes out the odors. It also cleans the air, the mildew, the mold, bacteria, the pollen. I take one with me when I travel because they're small. They're bigger than my hand, but I can hold one in my hand. Plugs directly into the wall. My hotel room or rental car stinks. Uh, the Eden Pure takes care of it. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is Eric3. Hello there. Glad to have you with me. It's Eric Erickson here nationwide from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia. This is from Bloomberg News. The Army would fall below 1 million soldiers for the first time in two decades under a new budget proposal as leaders struggle with recruitment in the aftermath of the COVID pandemic. The active duty army would drop from 485,000 soldiers Congress authorized for the year to 473,000, a reduction of 12,000 people as part of the services fiscal 2023 budget proposal. When combined with flat National Guard and Reserve forces, the service would have a total of 998,500 soldiers. Um, probably not a good idea to start cutting the military, which is what Joe Biden wants. I know a lot of people are making cutbacks these days, and oftentimes because of the financial situation out there, banks are telling businesses, even though the businesses see real opportunity for growth, the banks don't see it because they're so bureaucratic. If you're running into those problems with banks, reach out to my friends at First Liberty Building a Loan. Uh, they actually like to get you to yes where banks are telling you no, firstlibertyga.com is their website, firstlibertyga.com is their website. Tell them I sent you, see if they can get you to yes on the big deals you see potential for that banks don't. Uh, First Liberty, maybe we need to put them in charge of the federal budget. The the um, Biden administration, sorry to say Obama administration, the Biden administration wants about $5.75 trillion for the national government. They claim it'll bring down the deficit. It won't. And they're not going to get it passed because Congress doesn't pass budgets anymore. Congress just continues to renew old appropriations. And I don't see that they're going to do it again this year. Uh, But in this proposal to cut down the army, I just don't know that this is wise. 
This again from Bloomberg, the Army, the largest U.S. military service, is transitioning from two decades of counterterrorism missions in Afghanistan and the Middle East and is seeking to fortify itself against challenges posed by China and Russia. This is a proactive decision driven by a focus on recruiting high-quality soldiers without lowering standards and not by the need to free up money in the budget. I kind of think we need to keep our military as big as possible, please. I think so. Um, So one of the big issues here is that during the Obama administration, we made a concerted effort as a military to realign away from a two-front war. And that's caused us problems because we could win one side, but we couldn't win two sides at one time. And so Russia and China can probe us from either side around the world, knowing that one side of them is going to beat us. And if they're resource intensive, they may be able to overcome that military advantage. And we've got to rethink how we do uh, warfare in this country. We've got to rethink how we handle our military because we've got more threats now than we did. We're headed into a, um, a a multi-nation power play. So we used to have, well, there would be just the hegemon, the United States. Then, you know, during the Cold War, there were, there were two rival powers. You had the U.S. and the Soviet Union, and the entire world lined up behind one or the other. And when you get into this multilateral situation where you have multiple nations that are competitive threats against each other, that's actually the most destabilizing times in world history. When you see major rival power centers, that's when you tend to see the world at war. And we're headed into this where you do have a a Russia that is emboldened. It's got allies like Iran. You've got China out there. You've got the United States and Western Europe as well. You know, China is saber rattling now that if we expand uh, the oceanic pact that's similar to NATO in the Pacific, that they may have probable cause to invade Taiwan. That's what they're claiming, is that they could use that expansion to invade Taiwan. These are unstable, uncertain times. And I just don't think this White House and this president needs to wind down the American army to below a million available men. While all of this is going on, they have a novel plan to pay for everything. They want to raise taxes on billionaires. Now, you may say, eh, it's billionaires, who cares? The problem here is that they want to raise taxes by taxing unrealized gains. I don't even think it's constitutional. Essentially, what they're saying is because the stock market today says you're worth $20 billion, we should be able to tax that. If the stock market falls tomorrow and now you're only worth $10 billion, well, we'll tax the $10 billion. But what if you've already taxed the $20 billion? How do you get a refund? You don't under their plan. It's imaginary money that the Democrats are trying to um, are trying to tax. I don't think taxing unrealized gains is constitutional because you're not actually taxing someone's money. You're taxing a valuation in the stock market. But this is how the Democrats want to fund all of this, by cutting the military and taxing imaginary money. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. you got the economy. you got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. 
you want to buy a building, you want to build a building, reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.